Okay, we're starting on Ches Amud Aleph on the bottom to me. Today's Amud is Ches Amud Base. Last line on the Amud Amud of Huna Bar Yehuda Amar Abi Ami. Ba'ilum Yashlim Adam Parshiyos of Matibar. Famous halacha: a person should complete that week's Torah portion with the Tibar. Shnai Mikra Vechat Targum. Shnai Mikra, the famous halacha of Shnai Mikra, that someone should read the Parsha twice every week, and he should read the Targum, the translation in Aramaic, once every week. Afilia Torahs Vidibarn. Even if there is no targum, you should still do the mikra, the actual chumash part. Wow! Just like we mentioned last time, right? That there was a there was a skula to lengthen one's days if one davens with the tibor. So to being mashlim the parshas with the tibor, doing meaning, let's say this week's parsha is shmini, right? So. If someone, so this week you should do Shemini. You shouldn't do Tzav and shouldn't do next week's Parsha. You should do Shemini because that's what the Tzibar is doing. So this week's Shemini should be focused on the one that the Tzibar is doing. And one who does that, their reward will be Arichas Yavim. The days will be lengthened. Rabbi Barbai made sure that he completed the entire Torah before Arav Yom Kippur. By the time Arav Yom Kippur came around, he was already finished everything. It says that you will, it mentions Yom Kippur. Did I say Tishabov? Yom Kippur. Arav Yom Kippur, in the, uh, that's when he would finish Shnaimikra. So it says, by Yom Kippur, um, that Yom Kippur transpired on the ninth, that on the ninth day, you should fast. So what do you mean that on the ninth day you should fast? We fast on the tenth day, right? Yom Kippur is on the tenth day of Tishrei, not the ninth. So I say the ninth. Famously, right? The Gemara says famously, anyone who eats and drinks on the ninth day on Erev Yom Kippur, it's as if he fasted on the ninth and the tenth. Eating on Erev Yom Kippur is just as good as fasting on Yom Kippur itself. Unbelievable. Um, there's, we very rarely ever have a mitzvah to eat. Uh, this is, I think it's the only time mitzvah daraisa to eat. Why do we, we have a mitzvah to eat on Erev Kippur? Because Hashem says, I gave you a chiv to fast, so therefore the day before, as a preparation for that, I'm going to give you a chiv to eat. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's an interesting thing about Shnai Mikra. Rav Moshe says, there's a chuba about it, and Rav Moshe says that even someone learning in kolel, right, there was, a, there was a question that was proposed to him, and he said, even someone learning in kolel should do Shnai Mikra. Because people are going to say, ah, oh, you know, I'm, 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 people in kolel are going to say, listen, I'm dealing with much deeper things, or Bekiva Egers and, and Rajbas and Ritzvahs, I'm dealing with much deeper things. I should just be reading the Torah portion every week? So Rav Moshe says, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Everyone should, in fact, there, uh, there, there's some say that maybe even in Avel, during Shiva, who you can't learn anything, but at least he should do Shnai Mikra, because that's with the Tzibur. He shouldn't be perish from the Tzibur. He shouldn't separate himself from the Tzibur. So Shnai Mikra is a very important thing to do. So meaning, Shnai Mikra should be done at the proper time. Not earlier, not later. You should do finish the parsha, do shnayimik of yecha targum at the same time that Tzibar is doing it. Whatever that week's parsha is, that's what you do. Shnayimik of yecha targum. Vazhiru bevridin. Vridin are certain blood vessels, so you should be careful about those blood vessels. Is the advice that he gave to him. Until one shechts the vridin, until one shechts the blood vessels from the chicken, then he can't eat it. He can't eat the chicken until he shechts these certain blood vessels. And one should also be beware, one should be careful, that when there is an elderly person, that he's a big Talmud Chacham, but he forgot what he learned. But he forgot it because of an eyeness, maybe a short-term memory loss, I don't know. Okay, he forgot his learning, but he's still a holy person. Let's, there are luchais and there are broken luchais. 
Moinchas Ba'aron, both of those things are placed in the Aron. Even the, the ones that are intact and the Luchas that are broken are both placed in the Luchas. Amalu Rabba Labnei. Rabba said to his, okay, so what's the shot, right? Meaning there's, uh, there's broken Luchas and, uh, and, uh, and, and not broken Luchas, meaning even if the Talmud Chacham, Talmud Chacham's there, the, the Luchas have two types of Kedushas. The Kedusha HaGuf and the Kedusha of the Ksav of what's written in the Luchas, right? There's two things. The Luchas themselves have a Kedusha, but also what's written because there's holy things written in it. So too with the Talmud Chacham. There's Kedusha in the Guf himself and the knowledge he has. So even if he doesn't have the knowledge, he still has a Kedusha on the fact that he's Talmud Chacham on the Guf himself. So even if it's broken, quote-unquote, he still has the, kedu- the inherent Kedusha with him. Beautiful. Okay, so Rabbah says to his children uh, more uh, advice. When one cuts meat, don't cut on top of your hand, right? It could be uh, it could be dangerous. Well, well, let's see, right? Some say because it could be dangerous. Or some say because it's not healthy. So it'll mess up the suda, right? Maybe get some blood on the on the meat. It's not nice for the guests. And don't sit by the bed of an aramis, certain nation. And as we mentioned previously, don't pass by the back of a shul at the same time that the tibor is davening. And don't... Uh, oh, now let's, we're going to explain all of them, okay? So, the first piece of advice he gave him is don't sit by the bed of an aramis. Some say, what does this mean? This means don't go to sleep without saying kriyashma. And there are those that say, don't marry a giyorta. What does this mean? It's not unclear, but we'll go with it's a, 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 a girl from a different nation. And some say, no, it means don't sleep by the bed of an Aramis. It means exactly what it, it seems that it means. Why should one not sleep by the bed of an Aramis? Because of a certain story that we're about to say. There's a story with Rav Papa, the Rav Papa, the Rav Papa, Azulagabe Aramis. Rav Papa went to an Aramis, and the Aramis made the bed for him. So Amrlai, she said to him, Shev, go, go sit down on the bed. Amrullah, he said to her, I'm not sitting down until you lift up the bed, Rapapa says. Guess what happened? She lifted up the bed, and what was under the bed? There was a dead child. A dead child in the bed. What was going to happen? He was, she was going to accuse Rapapa of killing the child. So Rapapa, through some way, knew that something was suspicious. I don't, I don't know how. He was obviously a very smart man, all the Amaramur, but... Since because of this, um, one should not sleep by the bedside of an Aramis or sit down. One should not sit down on the bed of an Aramis. And one should not pass by the back of a shoal. At the same time that the Tibur is dominating. This is a proof to Rabbi Shubin Levi. Because Rabbi Shubin Levi said, Again, we mentioned this before, that Rashiman Levi said, a person is not allowed, it's prohibited for a person to pass by the back of a shul at the same time that the tzibor is davening. Now, the only time where it's usher to pass by, Abayah is now qualifying this iser. There's an iser to pass by the back of a shul when the tzibor is davening. But that only applies if there's no other entrance. There's only one entrance to the shul. But if there's another entrance and the person could just say, oh, you didn't go by this entrance, but you'll go to another entrance. So we don't have to have such a concern. And another qualification where this iser of not passing by a shul while the tzibor is davening is only where there's no other shul. But if you pass by a shul and there's other shuls in the town, some people will just say, oh, he's going to a different shul. 
another qualification, dari tuna rahit tefillin. If you're not carrying any loads and if you're not wearing tefillin, but if you do one of these things, if you're carrying a load, people know, oh, he's busy, he's busy doing something else. He's not just passing by the shul to be to be disgraced for the shul. And if you're carrying, if you're wearing tefillin, people know you're going somewhere else to daven, right? So if one of these things are true, then you don't have the ister to pass by. The back of a shul. But if you don't have any of these things, then there is an issue to pass by the back of a shul at the same time that Sibor is davening. Okay, let's go weiter. Tanya Omar Ani There are three things that the Medium, which is again a different type of nation, three thing three things that they did that they act in a certain way that are praiseworthy according to me, that I love. That's what Rabbi says. What were the three things? As we mentioned before, when one cuts meat, one should not cut on top of his hand. I'm sorry, he should, he should, they do cut. Correct, they don't, um, um, uh, they don't cut on top of their hand, they, got, they cut it on top of a table. And when they kiss people, they only kiss on hands, not on heads, only on hands, right? A lot of people have that custom nowadays, to kiss people when they greet each other, they kiss people on the hand. And when people are giving advice to one another, they only give this advice in the field, more private. This way, nobody else, nobody will be embarrassed. It was in the field, and we see that the field is a more is a more um, <clears throat> place, meaning a more hidden place. And it's more private. There are three things that I love about the Persians, about the things that the Persians do. And uh, what are them? They are very tsenua, they are very modest in the way they eat. They are very modest in the way they go to the bathroom. And they are very modest in the way that they, they are with their wives. Uh, so Rabbi Yosef is arguing with me. We're telling Rabbi Yosef is saying uh, maybe they do a couple nice things, but for the most part they don't do such great things. They're prepared for Gehenim, right? So uh, obviously it's a machlek is about uh, whether or not what they do is really so praiseworthy. Okay, so let's just uh, yeah, let's go from here and we'll go to the bottom. So here we're going to quote again. Now we just did a bunch of agadta, a bunch of amudim of agadta, but here we take a different direction. We're going to go back. The first Mishnah, remember, we obviously cited the different times, the earliest times one was allowed to read Kriya Shema at night, and the latest times that one was allowed to read Kriya Shema at night. There were three different opinions as to when the latest time one can read Kriya Shema at night. Rabbi Gamliel said that the latest time was uh, dawn. Right? So now we're going to expound upon that a little more. That the latest time to read Kriyashma is dawn. There are times that a person can read Kriyashma twice in one night. How is that possible? Meaning, I'm sorry, I skipped that word. One time before Amudashachar, and one time after dawn. Unbelievably enough, he can read it two times at night, and yet still be say his daytime Krishna and his nighttime Krishna. So there's an obvious question here. Kamar asks, Hakufakasha. This itself is, a, is 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 difficult. Why? Because You said that there are two times one can read Krishna at night. So we see that after Murashachar is considered nighttime. Right? So meaning it goes either way. Either after we said after dawn, it's two times you can be you can read it at night. After dawn. Is still considered night, therefore we call it nighttime. But you could be yaitse your daytime. How can you be yaitse reading Kriyashma of the daytime at night? That doesn't make any sense. 
So which one is it? Is, 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 is this time period, whatever it is, after dawn, daytime or nighttime? It can't be both. All right? So the Gemara answer is no. Really, this time period after dawn, it's obviously a short time period because at a certain time it does become day. But for this, whatever this time period is after dawn, it is considered night. Why do we call it daytime? Why do we say your yaitse, your kriyashma of daytime? Some people get up at this time. Some people get up when it's still nighttime, technically. But for them, it's daytime, right? The Pesach says, So you read kriyashma when you lie down and when you get up. That, that can vary depending on the person. It's one of the one of the, uh, the the rare mitzvahs like that where it can vary that where time is not necessarily specific to six o'clock to six o'clock. No, that's not what it is. It depends when you get up. It depends when you sleep. Obviously, we have nowadays we have gedarim and exact guidelines as to when those times are. But in general, the, the exact commandment is when you get up and when you lie down. So uh, it's very unique mitzvah. Reading Kriyashma is in that way. Just a little more. Amar Acha Barchanina Amar Yeshub and Levi. Halacha does go like this, this opinion, that you can be yaitzit two in one. You can get it two for one. And some say this is really the way the Mishnah went. There are times that a person can read Kriyashma two times, um, uh, two times beyond, two times during the day. One before sunrise and one after sunrise. And he can be yoytze both his nighttime kriyashma and the daytime kriyashma. So we're asking the same question as before, just the opposite. Hagufakasha. This itself is a question. Amarta, you said You said that there are times that a person can read kriyashma two times during the day. So we see that before this time period, before sunrise is considered the daytime. And then you learned, and then we said, white time night, white time day. Again, which one is it? It can't be both. This time either has to be daytime or it has to be nighttime. And yet you're contradicting yourself. So which one is it? Really it's considered daytime. So then how could you be your nighttime Krishma during the day? Again, why do we say nighttime? Why do we say you can be yaitse your nighttime Kriyashma at this time, even though it's technically day? Because the Ika Inchi, the Ganubah, Hishaita, there are people that wake up at that time. Right? I'm sorry, there are people that go to sleep at that time, get the night shift, right? There are people that go to sleep at that time. So therefore, if they go to sleep at that time, even though it's technically daytime, but for them, uh, it's still nighttime. Does accord with this. Okay, beautiful. We got back to uh, Dinim of Kriyashima, more halachic things. Um, uh, and tomorrow, of course, we'll get to the, the story that was mentioned in the Mishnah about the, the, the sons coming back from party and uh, a lot of other great things. Sechas Brachas is jam packed, obviously. So we'll end here on the top of Tess Amud Aleph.